With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Titan landscape in fantasy football this offseason has been wild. All summer long, fantasy football leagues have been horrible. Yes, horrible at drafting the position, Hayden. Because of that, since the preseason open, depth charts have been becoming more clear. There's been huge shakeups. Players moving up 50 or 40 spots like Luke Musgrave, Jake Ferguson, Sam Laporta. We've also seen the opposite in the likes of like Chico Quanquo, Michael Mayer, Greg Dulcich dropping anywhere from 30 to 22 spots as well. Let's set it right. Let's tell the people who they need to be drafting where in their drafts, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Early on this offseason, the tight end two, three landscape, you guys had it all backwards. And yeah. Just didn't know enough ball. I don't have to tell you. <laughs> and this year is very different because we actually have rookies that are going to play meaningful snaps and should break the curse of the rookie year tight end. But not to get ahead of ourselves. We'll get into our top tiers right now that do not include rookies. And our first tier obviously starts with the rare tight end ones. And that is Travis Kelsey. Just some quick notes here. He led the NFL with 30 red zone receptions last year, 10 red zone touchdowns. Uh, he also scored 90 more points than the next best tight end, which was TJ Hawkinson last year. That's the biggest gap, Hayden, between the number one and number two tight ends in the last 31 years of fantasy yeah. football. Yeah, and he did. He played the fewest inline snaps of his career and then also broke the most uh, force missed tackles of his career. He's basically playing wide receiver at this point in his career, and obviously we love that for fantasy Best age 31 season of all time, 32 season of all time, 33 season of all time. Now he's got to do it in age 34. Let's say he beats the all-time record at, of age 34. That would still be enough to be the tight end one uh, this year. So it's just all about him staying healthy. But I don't think that he, his injury risk is any higher than everyone else's except, you know, he gets the ball 12 times per game, which is actually a good thing. So in order to take Travis Kelsey and have him on your team, you do have to weigh the cost benefits of like, do you think the one tight end gap is going to remain as large as it has the last few years Two, you also need to ask yourself, do you not want to care about the tight end position every single week? Or if that's the case, are you willing to maybe struggle to fulfill that wide receiver one status or running back one status? Cause he is sandwiched right now between Cooper cup and Austin Eckler. You have to bypass the likes of Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown Am I getting that right? Is that basically the conundrum that Travis Kelsey drafters are in right now? I like him more in redraft because you have to set your lineups in redraft and his floor and consistency is like literally we've never seen it before at the position. Right. So I like him there in best ball, the ceiling case, you can actually make an argument against him. Um, so I have him ranked in my best ball rankings, like tight end or as my tight end one, like 12th overall in redraft. I would move him up a little bit ahead of that. Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens is our second tight end. 
finished outside the top 10 at the position in nine of 16 games he was active in last year. But as we have said, anytime we've talked about Lamar Jackson or these wide receivers, you really can't translate anything that happened with the Ravens and their passing attack last year versus what is going to happen, what we expect to happen this year. Yeah, but I think a lot of that was just the on-off splits with Lamar Jackson because he averaged totally. over 12 half PPR points with Lamar Jackson in those nine games. He only had seven in the games without Lamar Jackson. And then even last year, he only scored five touchdowns. The previous three seasons, he was averaging 8.7. That's the upside, and that's why we have him in this rare tight end one category. He's not Travis Kelsey, though two years ago he had more yards than Kelsey did. So the upside's there. I will say this is an impossible projection to make because we've never seen Mark Andrews next to other wide receivers. We've seen yeah. it with Marquise Brown, but we haven't seen it with this much depth. But at the same time, now we know Lamar Jackson's going to pass the ball more. So this is one of those where I'm throwing my hands up. But I will say out of anybody else, if there's anyone that could come close to what a Travis Kelsey season would look like, he's the only one in my in my eyes. I think he did it two seasons ago. He led all tight ends in half-point PPR points per game. That was almost an outlier year for him so far though like he averaged that season 14.6 per points per game last year he was a tight end three that was 10.3 the year before that two years before that tight end four with 10 then 11.7 the year before that so like that 14.5 threshold mm -hmm. is again an outlier season are we kind of chasing that like we have been the lamar jackson chase right. of his mvp campaign as well I mean, it's possible, but I do think that there's a chance if Travis Kelsey takes a step back that he doesn't have to reach that level to be yeah. a difference maker just because a lot of these tight ends we're going to talk about are actually aging out of the primes of their career. Obviously, with Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, there used to be this like really healthy class of these elite tight ends. You kind of start squinting and you can see some red flags with all of them, and maybe that's enough where Mark Andrews can pay off. It's like I, was, I would take him in round three, round four, like kind right. of right at that turn. That, that's what I was going to say on the sleeper videos, on the Yahoo videos, on the ESPN videos that we did for cheat codes for each fantasy platform. He was readily available in round three or round four at that turn, almost right next to Lamar Jackson. Um, that is the area taking him in the middle of the third round or early parts of the fourth round versus, you know, a mid first round pick that it is quite a different decision than you're having to make for Mark Andrews versus Travis yeah. Kelsey. And I would rather have Lamar over Mark Andrews straight up. Like if Mark Andrews is going to be a stud tight end, that means Lamar is having a special season. Speaking of the cheat code videos, if you've watched them, you love the channel. If you're watching right now, be a part of the 30% who watch and subscribe versus the 70% that just screw off and leave us in their dust. Uh, we also have tiers and rankings for every single other position as well. We know your fancy drafts are massively important to you, but so are September and October. And we're here to hold your hand throughout those months to help you win your fancy league here we go so the second tier for us that is tj hawkinson he finished as a top 12 scoring tight end in seven of the 10 games he played in the regular season for the vikings last year and in those 10 games he did play for minnesota 60 receptions so that's 8.6 targets per game it's really high numbers for a tight end yeah averaging nine targets is basically rare it's only the two guys in front of them that and maybe darren waller that are going to be able to match that this year it's just a perfect environment they were third in pass attempts as a team the vikings were they have josh oliver which means two more or tight end two tight end sets they'll put hawkinson in the slot to me it's just a debate what ceiling do we have with tg hawkinson the yeah. player like to me like watch his games watch the athleticism does he have the juice required to have one of these rare seasons 
Because if he does, then you can make a case that he can really vault up here. I'm afraid that he just is missing one extra gear that these other guys have. So despite having the perfect environment for fantasy points, I do have him in a tier below Mark Andrews. I like that a lot. The The Vikings brought him in last year, made that midseason trade with a you know division rival because they needed someone else to take away some of the attention that Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson was getting last season. And they obviously peppered him with a bunch of targets. You and I have talked about this change that we might see with the Vikings a bit more often this season. Um, I don't think enough people are talking about it where they paid Josh Oliver, who's a pure blocking tight end, a lot of money. And so that should mean more two tight end sets. That should also mean more TJ Hawkinson in the slot as like a legit mm-hmm. wide receiver, which, which we love to see. Uh, he's going in the fifth round of underdog fantasy drafts out there and probably in your league as well. And a man that has now matched him in that category is my guy, Darren yep. Waller. We've been preaching this. Well, at least I have since May. Like, I think at that time he was going as like the tight end nine almost or mm-hmm. the tight end seven. He's up around and a half at this point. And all I can say about Darren Waller is even at his age, still an awesome athlete. And what we saw in that one preseason game was gold standard usage. This team was craving a go-to playmaker in the receiving game. And it seems like they're going to make Darren Waller the focal point of the passing game. Yeah, they made a huge bet on doing exactly that. He's more or less their ex-wide receiver. We've seen him in kind of these Travis Kelsey looks, three-by-one sets, isolation, get out of here with these corners, and he's winning, yeah. and he's healthy. That's the thing. that just You're looking at a player who's had the injury bug, who is 31 years old, who's coming off of his worst PFF grade of his career, didn't force a single missed tackle last year. But if everything goes right, which it completely has so far, Darren Waller could be a league winner. So... That's basically the the coin flip that you're making here. I do think it's probably worth doing in redraft because let's say you ride Waller for the first two months, maybe he has a hamstring injury or something like that. Then all of a sudden, by that point, one of these rookies are going to come in there. So I think Waller is somebody that you should be targeting in redraft, though I do want to consider that among the players with the injury history and age, he's the one that has some downside risk. You can isolate him versus a linebacker. He's way too fluid for players of that size than versus a defensive back. He's just way too big. We saw him push J.C. Horn to the ground. Uh, We've also seen him win downfield with the Raiders. We've seen him, especially inside the red zone, be an absolute monster. And like Kafka, Dayball are going to just be able to scheme him matchups that are to his advantage and for him to be able to win in those. I'm so excited. You know this. I was way in back in May as tight end seven, and I'm still in where he's being drafted right now as tight end four because I think the upside is – a potential top two tight end season this year. He could easily have games with 10 or more targets, multiple yep. of them this season. Um, I almost want to make a tier break there. We won't, but I don't know if any of these other guys can reach, you know, tight end one, tight end two status. But next up for us is George Kittle. Uh, we know he's just a freak. <laughs> like he's a great run blocker and he's, you know, unleashes these, amazing after the catch moments as well. Just the question is throughout his career, how much he's going to get in the end zone, which he got into a lot last year. And then how often he's going to get the football because they're loaded with talent. This chart on this, just the expected receiving touchdowns versus what he did last year is shocking. He led with five more touchdowns than his usage would indicate, but still he was the 51st overall player per game. And that's because he just doesn't get the volume when the routes run that the other guys have. And it to me, it really is just 
target competition. There's no need for him to run as many routes when you have all these other guys that are able to get out there last year, career low 1.8 yards per run as a 30 year old. It's the most target competition of his career. So I just don't see the volume being there. He could, he have a couple crazy 60 yard touchdowns this year. Hell yeah. That's George Kittle for you. Um, but I'm with you that there, we could have easily made a tear break between these guys just be, yeah. based off of volume. When George Kittle hits, he hits big, you know, he had six games as a top six scorer and four of those were good enough to finish that week of the first or second tight end mm-hmm. on the board. Then he had another six weeks, as you outlined as a tight end 20 or lower. Um, and then we talked about it with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, like when Brock Purdy, those two wide receivers plus CMC and George Kittle were all in the field. George Kittle was the one that didn't see targets. Like he was 13.6% of his team's targets at that point. And that makes sense, right? Like if yeah. you're going to have keep somebody in to block, it would be him and let the other guys go out there and cook. So I wouldn't be surprised if his targets per route run, yards per route run, all that stuff does come down. I will say they use almost like a layering with him and Christian McCaffrey on these angle routes. And if CMC caught one early in the game, the linebackers would just be sucked in. And then he was there for those intermediate targets as well. It's just tough to bet against a guy like George Kittle. Um, even though many of the opportunity metrics are, are against him, but the same can be said for basically everyone in this tier. So let's next go to Dallas Goddard as our tight end six. Um, He was fifth in yards out of the catch for tight ends last year. He simply though, like doesn't operate vertically. He's a lot of these underneath patterns, either on RPOs or screens or on tight end delays, because that's the role that he plays in this super high powered offense. Mm -hmm. It's actually very similar to George Kittle. Now that you have two guys that can win down the field, Dallas Goddard a lot of times is staying in to block for a second and then just runs out to the flats. And that's why his A dot dropped all the way down to six. Uh, previously, it was eight yards downfield. And that's why his targets and the value of those targets just aren't there totally. He's one of these like insurance upside guys, though. If something happens to A.J. Brown or uh, Devontae Smith, he will be somebody that can really pop off because he's really good. So it's like one of these like things where like he's most likely going to not pay off where his price tag is. But if one thing changes, he could be like a league winner type. So what do you want to do with that? Yeah. But once we're in this territory, you know, everything seems really flat other than like a couple of spiked weeks. Right. And so I'm with you. I, I think Dallas Goddard is one of the most talented tight ends in the league, and it's a really good offense. And as you said, if someone does miss a handful of games, then they surely will feature him. Yeah, in a different way, especially last year, we saw like Calcaterra and these other guys step in and they could, you know, use and be creative with Dallas Goddard. And since we've mentioned this stat for basically every other Philadelphia Eagle that we've talked about, Dallas Goddard had just 26 second half targets in all of 2022, which was 121st in the league. Yeah. (laughs) So, hey, maybe second (laughs) half and fourth quarters. He just needs to be used a bit more often. Okay, this man was at one point drafted as a tight end four or five this season. For us, Kyle Pitts is now our tight end seven. Um, And in order to pay off in this area, Hayden, you have to have like either an absurd touchdown season, be on a great team, or like we've talked about, have gold standard usage where you get a bunch of volume. To be honest, right now, Kyle Pitts checks none of those boxes. Yeah, the most disgusting stat that I came across is he caught three of his 19 deep targets. That was the worst in the NFL. That's negative 26% over expected. That's miserable. And that wasn't necessarily his fault. I do think he can win out there. But I do think he's going to have to come down with a lot of these vertical targets 
from Desmond Ritter, which is kind of problematic for uh, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> um, this knee injury has been lingering a little bit longer than I was expecting it because he had, I think, the surgery last November. But he was out there in the preseason. I think he should be fine mostly from that. And the last thing he has to overcome is Arthur Smith, historically, even going back to Tennessee, uses his tight ends in a rotation a little bit. And that's what we saw in this preseason. I don't necessarily think that's for sure going to happen, but it's, you don't have that conversation with any of these other guys. So it's kind of like you have to hit like three things in a row for this thing to like really spike off. But like at the yeah. same time, like I still truly believe Kyle Pitts is like a generational or semi-generational tight end prospect and player. And like his skill set is so rare, his movement and size down the field that if you wanted to take a swing, but if I was going to do that, I'd rather do that in best ball than in redraft play for the upside in best ball. Now that's ADPs drop and in redraft. It might be a little bit too rich for me. As long as Drake London is on the field, I do not see Kyle Pitts reaching top four tight end status. I, I know that they play different positions and that's how they're listed. But as I talked about on our wide receiver tier show, Drake London now is the focal point of this passing game in a passing game that might be, 24th in the league in attempts this season. The two were like using tandem last year a little bit. And as you said, they even like brought in Johnu Smith, who has a history with Arthur Smith. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a bit more rotation. And I just don't know if we're going to see like that massive season. Like again, I've mentioned the stat, even in that 1000 receiving yard season for Kyle Pitts, you did not enjoy starting him on a weekly basis because he simply didn't score touchdowns. Um, and we just haven't seen him featured in that air of the field yet. We really haven't. I will say that that could course correct. He that season, he, he caught one touchdown that season. A lot of things back. could happen. I know. I'm, I'm and what him. I could be doing, Hayden, is like, to be honest with you, totally avoiding the George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, and Cal right. Pitt section of drafting yes. these guys in your fancy leagues at this moment. I agree, because this next guy's my new favorite target. So, and, and the reason we say that, just looking at draft boards, again, I am taking Darren Waller. I'm willing to take a little bit of TJ Hawkinson in round five. But then I think people see, you know, four Titans off the board uh, by that time. They're like, I got to fill up some of my starting spots. And so George Kittle then goes in round six. Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts go in round seven. And I just want to escape that territory. I'd rather load up on the wide receivers, especially in that area, and not take chances on those tight ends that will have, as we said, almost as many weeks scoring outside the top 12 as they do inside the top 12. Yeah, totally fair. I'm with you. Then we kick it on over to our tier three, which we were calling upside tight end ones. Love that moniker. And we actually have this flipped versus how it's being drafted, which I think is very notable because you all are drafting David and Joku as your tight end 10. For us, he is the tight end eight. Probably the player we talked so highly about last offseason, put a bunch of juice behind him. I thought he performed incredibly well because he is a unique talent at the position where he can catch screens and run after the catch or he can get down the field, vertical, stretch the seam or on the outside and win in both ways. And or just, you know, just dunk on you in the red zone. Certainly right. capable of doing that. In fact, he led all tight ends with the highest uh, percentage of his team's red zone targets all the way up at 29%. The dude's built like a freak. We saw him uh, at the Super Bowl. Just an absolute stud out there. He had uh, at least five targets in 11 of, these, of 13 games last year. Keep in mind, he was battling through injuries on a lot of those. And that was a very balanced offense. What we've seen so far in this preseason, it makes sense going back to Deshaun Watson's history more spread offense. I think David Njoku could excel in that type of offense because he's so good in space. 
And before his injury, we saw what the upside was looking like. He was averaging 76 yards per game. That is monster numbers. He was the tight end eight last year in an offense that I thought was pretty limited based off of the play calling, the neutral pace, the quarterback. There's a chance that David Njoku can absolutely excel in this. And really, there's just like not guys in this kind of tier that like totally. have his athleticism. Like, go watch this guy play. He's, he's actually a, a really promising player. It was not a surprise that it took a little bit of development, but we are in the prime of David Njoku's career right now. Yeah, he, he is the epitome of either second team or second contract tight end. And we are on that second contract. And, you know, he split time early on his career with like Austin Hooper. And now it's all him. He's playing like every single snap. Plus, he can do all of these athletic receiving things on top of it. He was 11th overall among all running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends with 20 red zone targets. As you said, like the highest rate among all tight ends in terms of leading his team. And if you read any of the reports, talk to anyone that's been at Brown's camp. He's yes. been the most dominant player on that offense all offseason long. Yeah, uh, Cleve T.A., who like knows a ton of football and has some sources. If you could follow him on Twitter, he just slid into my mentions telling me that David Njoku has been the superstar in Brown's camp. And I know I'm talking about a theory of this position more so than we have with others, but I just cannot, cannot muster the confidence of taking a George Kittle in round six when I can get David and Joku in round 10. I'm with you 100%. It's, it's pretty simple. Okay. Being drafted as your tight end nine and also our tight end nine, it is the Muth, Pat Frymuth. He's very good. I will add. He did drop from seven touchdowns down to two touchdowns, but I would say that that is a universal, hey, no one was scoring tutties on the Pittsburgh Steelers last season, basically. Yeah, and I think we both agree that this offense could take a two or three steps this year just because everyone's so young. He's one of those players like entering the prime of his career, uh, like going to be 25 years old this year, where even last year, he was the tight end seven in expected fantasy points. He was eighth in yards per route run at the position, seventh in PFF grade, ninth in routes. Like, that's pretty good for a young player in a really bad offense. So I'm with you. Like, Pat Fryermuth compared to the guys in the previous tier, I like his price tag. I think we know what we're getting with him. He's kind of a fun player on space, kind of a lean forward, get totally. those feet going. Uh, we'll type be of out player. there all downs. Yes. Um, so we'll see. I think he's a good player. Um, I don't think he has quite the same potential as someone like David Njoku, but he's right yeah. after it, and the price tag is pretty appealing. I mean, I could also see him working that mode of the field more than the other pass catchers and like racking up eight touchdowns this season easily. And a little wrinkle, don't want to read too much into it. Darnell Washington, who slid in the draft because of medicals, uh, landed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, is playing a pretty good amount with the first team with where he was drafted, and especially in the red zone if you read pra practice reports. And that might free up Pat Frymuth to be a bit more of a pass catching weapon in the red zone and allow yep. Darnell Washington to kind of be a sixth offensive lineman in that area too. That's what we saw for Fryermuth out uh, both as a, a rookie and then also even at Penn State. Getting him out in the move a little bit. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in. Room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that. The library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
and get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Evan Ingram was my big shout out last year as second team, second contract player to break out. And it worked out, but really starting in like week 13, I am off of him of where he's going in drafts right now as tight end eight. He's our tight end 10 um, from week nine on, including the playoffs last year when he like really lit it up. His average at the target only got over six yards twice. That's 11 games when he was barely crossing five yards down the field. And a big part of it was credit to Doug Peterson for understanding this is a yards after catch athletic monster. I just don't think they're going to have to manufacture those types of same receptions for him this year as they did last year because they now have someone like Calvin Ridley on the team. Yeah, that's exactly what my notes had. It was like these leak plays, get him out on these bootleg, get out, get him out, use his athleticism. I just don't think you necessarily have to do that because you have Trevor Lawrence who can read defenses and throw the ball downfield. Now you have uh, man coverage beaters in Calvin Ridley. So thank you for your service. Evan Ingram last year at the tight end two breakout guy that we were on. You guys can have him from this point on. Yeah, I simply don't think he'll be as important to the Jaguars this year yeah. as he was last year, if that yeah. makes sense. Okay, that's it for upside tight end ones, tight end ones, and rare tight end ones. Uh, now we get into a wealth of tight ends. That means you waited your tight end twos potentially, uh, or even a potential starter each week. And man, no one really hits on the vanilla of this potential tight end group. We're going to get into more of a roller coasters here in a moment, but. Uh, Tyler Higbee is as vanilla as it gets at this position. Yeah, I will say last year was a disaster year for him because, you know, his quarterback was hurt. The offensive line was hurt. His pass blocking uh, rate was at 9% uh, up to last year at 18% because he had to because he had to. Now you're going to get them to pass a whole lot more because the defense is even worse. The offensive line is somewhat healthy right now, better on paper than it was last year when it was a total train wreck. So I do think we're going to sit here and refresh and everyone's going to go download their PFF grades and stuff. And Tyler Higby, we're going to refresh it every single week. And he's going to be like fifth or sixth in routes run. And at that point, he's a very bankable guy, especially early on the season. Like I have some teams where like I've drafted Higby and then I have Luke Musgrave waiting on the bench, waiting for it. But the first two weeks of the season, I'll make sure I'll start with Higby, the veteran, and then see what I got. But I think that we know what we're getting with him at this point. As we talked about that middle area of tight end, it's all like, hey, is he going to get you six to 10 fantasy points each week? And it depends on if he gets a touchdown or not, if he breaks out of that. Um, 92.3% of Tyler Higby's targets last season were less than 10 yards down the field. That is a preposterous number. Preposterous. But that's kind of his game. It wouldn't be shocking at all, as you said, if he is the second leading target getter on this team this season. And we just can't match that volume with a bunch of other players. Okay. Don Kincaid was a first-round pick by an explosive offense. Talk me through Dalton Kincaid for you because while I think we can poke a bunch of holes in his profile of where he's being drafted right now as tight end 11, I believe we are right in line with that as our tight end 12. Yeah, so he's basically a slot wide receiver. They're like kind of hoping he's going to be like some version of like what Cole Beasley was uh, for this offense a couple seasons ago. And if he took those Cole Beasley averages, that would have made Kincaid a top 10 uh, fantasy tight end. So I think it's a high bar, but I think it's an achievable bar just because of how explosive this offense is. When I watch Kincaid, 
he's option route king and like that's yep. where he's just gonna feast and that's they're, what they're hoping for is that it's just him versus linebackers and safeties we'll see what defenses are gonna do against Kincaid if they treat him as a slot wide receiver if they treat him uh, and against base personnel if he's gonna be able to stay there and block in the red zone these are the type of things that have me a little bit concerned but he did at least run 71% of the routes in the preseason with the first team offense. And he definitely cleared that bar when you're watching him beat these players. Like I do think he has like the special sauce that you do need, but do not expect him to have the every down role. It's just not feasible with right. Dawson Knox there. Yeah. Unless something does happen with Dawson Knox, like, but Buffalo receivers over the last three seasons have 419 receptions while lined up in the slot, uh, which ranks fourth among all teams throughout the league. So yeah, you, you've talked about it. You can go from your Cole Beasley's down to your Isaiah McKenzie's and it's like that grouping. And now they're probably going to fill it with Don Kincaid. But at the same time in the last preseason game, which was the first time we saw him with Dawson Knox on the field, um, he only played seven of 13 starting snaps. He ran the same amount of routes as Deontay Hardy did. And both Dawson Knox and Deontay Hardy were in for nine of 13 snaps comparatively. Yeah. So like those, that's my biggest fear is we always talk about, Hey, you need to be out there all the time for tight end opportunities to come your way. And while he was a big investment, I think this team understands that based on personnel groupings and dictating what we want defenses to do, mixing and matching the likes of Don Kincaid and Deontay Hardy is maybe our best bet rather than just going with one. Yeah, I do think this is the offense where you can make that exception where you don't have to be an every down player to be a borderline tight end one. I will say, though, in the first game, it was kind of a test. They got him in line to block. I thought he failed that test, basically. The next preseason games, when he did have to block in the run game, it was like from like a fullback setting where he was blocking a linebacker, like not an edge player. So they gave up on that pretty quickly. That's not necessarily a good thing for Kincaid, but the man could play. Jawan Johnson ranks next for us. Seven touchdowns last season, tied for fourth among NFL tight ends. Five of those touchdowns uh, occurred in the red zone on just 11 targets. Uh, everyone who rolls through Saints camp, whether it be Peter King or Derek Carr's brother David, says they're all being told that you need to have Jawan Johnson on your fantasy team. Yeah, New Orleans.football, my guys over there have been banging this hammer too. Jawan Johnson could play like he's been cooking dudes this preseason. If you guys haven't paid attention to him, he's also like a wide receiver and his average depth of target is like deeper downfield than a lot of these tight ends that we've talked about. So the upsides there, how he gets there is this. He only ran 23 routes per game. That was because it was a very conservative offense. If Derek Carr can open this thing up and they treat this offense a little bit different, I do think that Jawan Johnson could be the guy to absorb a lot more targets than he did last year. And even this off season, like they gave him more money than they actually needed to. I think I believe he was a restricted free agent. They gave him a yep. multi-year deal on top of that because Jawan Johnson's an absolute dude out there. One of the best players on tape in my eyes that we're going to talk about today. I know that we're all looking forward to seeing Michael Thomas back onto the field. It hasn't been like great reports from Michael Thomas this offseason. Every report has been tremendous from Jawan Johnson. It wouldn't shock me at all if he outscores Michael Thomas mm -hmm. this season. And by the way, with Jawan Johnson, he's being drafted right now as tight end 17 on underdog, even later than that in a bunch of your home leagues on those cheat code videos that we did. He was like tight end 25 or 27 in some of them. Yeah. If you completely whiff on the position, he is the one to look at in the later rounds because everyone is not ranking him appropriately in our eyes. Jake Ferguson is next, and he's right there with him, basically. You know, Dalton Schultz was super productive during his time with Dak Prescott. 
they didn't make a big money move or a high price draft capital. And Jake Ferguson has just slid in there during the preseason, Hayden, and played every single snap next to Dak Prescott. Full blown dog. When you look at him last year, he had 1.8 yards per route run. The guy was actually cooking out there in space. He's a pretty good athlete. He was supposed to be a receiving type going back to his early days at Wisconsin. The depth behind him is really unproven, really young, just not that good of players. And to me, Ferguson's caught my eye, not even just last year in a small sample, but this preseason, he's made some plays and Dak Prescott's talking him up. And we've just seen Dalton Schultz have top 100 overall finishes in this offense in back-to-back years. I can even make an argument that Jake Ferguson is a better player than Dalton Schultz. Does he have the the mental fortitude and the chemistry with Dak Prescott? We'll see. But out in space and yards after the catch and down the seam, I think Jake Ferguson can play a little bit. So this is like one of my favorite guys in this tier. I, I think Dak Prescott just really enjoys throwing to his tight ends. I mean, Dalton Schultz was the tight end three in points per game in 2021 the tight end 10 in 2022 in a bad season uh i really love drafting jake ferguson later on as well especially if you're in like one of those tight end premium leagues people haven't caught on to the ferg daddy flag plant we've been on this island for a very long time that is now fully occupied and resorts are popping up everywhere it's uh luke musgrave hayden you talked about this immediately after the draft Typically with rookie tight ends, the reason they don't get on the field is because there are veteran roadblocks. Even if they're bad, guys have just played the position for three downs in front of them. The only other player that Luke Musgrave was competing against was another rookie. And every time Jordan Love has dropped back in the preseason, Luke Musgrave has been on the field. And not just on the field. They are like looking for ways to get him the ball. Option route, leak routes. We've seen go routes on the perimeter. We've seen jet sweeps and practices. This is the reason why he's my most drafted player out of anybody. I've drafted him on like 33% of my teams. I've done like 100 drafts right now. What's been crazy about the Luke Musgrave hype is I think it's completely all warranted. He's an absolute stud out there. He's like 6'6", 250. He's super athletic. He's like 90th percentile on like the broad jump, like the explosive drills. But what's happened in this preseason is I've seen a lot of reps of him blocking his ass off. We've seen yep. him seal off the edge for run running touchdowns. We've seen him in isolation on the Jaden Reed touchdown where he's just like sitting there locking it down in pass protection. He's going to be one of the highest snapped tight ends in the entire league. And he, when you watch him, he has the upside where you're talking about upside plus volume. If there's one of these guys that has like a all-time rookie tight end season, I'm not ruling that it could be out uh, Luke Musgrave. Massive, athletic, get him on the move, let him win after the catch. Also at Oregon State, he was like their best downfield receiver too, winning down the seam. I made the statement, um, I think it was on August 4th, that when we that was before even any preseason games have been played. The one player that would climb the most in all underdog drafts would be Luke Musgrave, and that happened. He's moved up 45 spots in the last 30 days. Um just behind him, our guy Jake Ferguson of 44 spots. So subscribe to the, the channel. Subscribe to the channel. My goodness. If yeah, that don't doesn't be do late. It. Be early. I, quickly, I, I do want to add, this is another wrinkle in the corner of Luke Musgrave. When the Packers go four wide receivers, they're going to keep Luke Musgrave on the field. They're not going to bring in a fourth wide receiver. They're splitting him out in that regard. That's just amazing stuff mm-hmm. that we're getting that from a rookie tight end. Um, people are going to be upset that we are ranking him over a Detroit rookie, but we'll get to that in a minute. Because first, because of your ranking, we have Dalton Schultz, he of the Houston Texans, up next as our tight end 16. 
So I thought he was going to be an every down player based off of the contract he got him. This preseason has been a little bit wonky. He's been in a little bit of rotation. I, I'm still trying to figure out if that's because they're trying to test these kind of like young backup tight ends or if it's just because Schultz is kind of just an average type of player. Either way, you when I was drafting Dalton Schultz, it was, a, it was purely a volume play. I think he's a fine enough player for C.J. Stroud. His ceiling is just obviously very capped because of Dalton Schultz, the player, and the touchdown offense. Um, so I think he's fine, but I'm not like super excited to draft him. Sam Laporta is next. Sam Laporta, our tight end 17, being drafted as tight end 14. We're basically with ADP on this one. I think he had a really good PR department early on, being Brad Holmes yes. and Dan Campbell, where they told everyone, hey, he's our starter immediately. And again, the likes of Jake Ferguson and Luke Musgrave did not get that. Uh, I really like Sam Laporta. I drafted him a lot earlier on, but as we're going on, I understand that I can get better values, I feel like, in the Ferg Daddy and Musgrave. So the difference between the Ferg Daddy, Musgrave, and Laporta is Laporta's tiny. We're talking about 11th percentile height, 19th percentile weight. He only lined up in line on 48% of his senior snaps. That's a pretty niche role. It's kind of one of these roles that scares me a little bit, and the reason why we haven't talked about Chig or... uh, uh, Greg Dulcich potentially can be kind of in this finesse role that I don't necessarily love. But I will say he was third in targets from the slaughter out wide among college tight ends. That is a way to get there. And the tight end depth in Detroit is pretty bad. Gerald Everett tight end 18 and is our tight end 18. I want to impart all of the Dalton Schultz usage onto him because part of me thinks that is a Kellen Moore piece of his offense um on top of that the chargers did not bring in a another tight end this offseason i haven't heard anything about gerald everett this preseason i mean he hasn't played but i guess yeah. that's good because none of the starters have played in los angeles either yeah my thing is like what what's there to talk about with gerald everett like we know yeah, who he is fair. like we're basically flipping a coin is he going to score six touchdowns this year or four then let's have the chico cuanco conversation because we have him a little bit later than where he's going in drafts mm-hmm. right now um, and a lot of this is actually because of your ranking. You have him deep, deep down. Why? Yeah, he like last year, he popped in like the yards per route run. He averaged 14 yards per catch, but he only had an eight uh, average depth of target. That's just not going to be sustainable. Like his yards after the catch numbers are going to regress. Last year, he only ran a route on 20% of the Titans. One tight end set dropbacks. That's a problem. He's one of these undersized guys. So he if he's out there a full-time role, I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. But when I watched him in this preseason, he was already substituting with Wesco and just kind of the rotation that they use there in Tennessee. And also they have Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins is already a pretty low volume offense. So you guys can have him. He has the upside. Certainly. I'm just betting on the size and the route participation. He's being drafted as tight in 16. He's my tight in 17. He's your tight in 21. Um, he only had one game last year of over 50% of snaps for the team. So yeah, that's why his yard per route run numbers are inflated Mm -hmm. and amazing i also think he's really talented and that's why i kind of disagree with your super low ranking because i think he has more upside than some of these other guys that we will talk about from now until tight end 21 um because even a slight bump in snaps is a win like he doesn't have to have 80 percent of snaps to like hit this value or to like have an incredible season i think if he plays you know half the games over 50 percent of snaps that's a big one so yeah, but I think that just keeps him like tight in 16. He also attacks similar areas of the field to Traylon Burks. And so I was thinking if Burks was going to miss time, then like maybe Chick would have a easier path to success. But yeah. okay, so that's it for these tight end tiers. We have a whole bunch of names after this from what tight end 20 
all the way down. I know producer Weaves is going to flash that list up here. Uh, I quickly want to talk about Greg Dulcich because he dropped significantly, I think about 35 spots over the past few weeks, down to tight end 20. Uh, I understand it because Adam Trotman was a tight end that was brought in by Sean Payton. He is the starting tight end. I will add the caveat that when Jerry Judy is missing time, which really might be two games, four games, six games, whatever it is, Greg Dulcich is going to be on the field because mm -hmm. they only have, what, three wide receivers on the roster at this moment. And so if they only have two healthy ones, they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel on top of that. And Dulcich will benefit in that time frame. Yeah, he'll benefit, but I think he's still going to work behind Troutman. We haven't even seen Chris Mannerts this offseason, so we'll True. see what the the snaps overall look like for Greg Dulcich. My, there's one boring name. That's Tyler Conklin, who's paid off. He's been on top 20 tight end for a couple of years now, very highly paid. Aaron Rodgers is now his quarterback, and we just lost Corey Davis. I think Tyler Conklin's like the most boring guy that's just going to pay off his ADP in really deep leagues. And then Michael Mayer, I don't want to forget about him because he's the rookie. He has the most uh, competition for playing time because they have Austin Hooper out in Vegas. But Michael Mayer, I thought, had some pretty sweet tape when it comes to the receiving game. They were using him detached Right, kind of. He kind of reminded me of like Pat Fryermuth in some ways. So I do think there is a chance that Michael Mayer it might be more of a later half of the season play. But I don't want to forget about Michael Mayer, who easily could have been a first round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I will not go in my negative Irv Smith rant ever again. Um, no. <laughs> just I don't understand why people are taking the fifteenth round. Well, I don't um, think anyone's drafted him since. <laughs> well, no, that he's he's still sitting there, tight end twenty. Uh, Kate Otten, I think you talked about him, right? He, that he's going to be out there a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's that's a fact. Yeah, he's going to be out there a lot, and so is Hayden Hurst. But, yes. you know, how excited can we get mm -hmm. from that? Okay, that's it. There's all your tight ends. There's a strategy that goes into it, you know? If you want to be safe and fill out your starting spots and take one of those middle guys that we talked about, that's on you. Or do you want to wade into some uncertainty and maybe get a explosive young rookie or a guy like Jawan Johnson is going to play a bunch of, like, real wide receiver stuff? That might be more of your vote if you miss out on those top four names. I'll be throwing a party every single time Luke Musgrave scored the oh touchdown this year on the channel. So if you want to join the party, draft him. All right, that's going to do it. Go and check out our other, other positional rankings and tiers. Go play an underdog fantasy. You still have like a week to get in all of those best ball lineups. Uh, I'm matching your first deposit up to $100. And right now, like there's a super flex lead for $2 that Nick Galano put up there in the lobby. So if you want like to dip your toe in, $2 super flex draft. Pretty cool. I think that thing's probably already cooked. <laughs> so go play weekly winners. DFS meets best ball. 17 unique weeks. $15 to enter. That thing's going to be pumping. And subscribe to the channel. Thanks, Producer Weez. Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.